Creative Babble. Today, Wild Bill is known for the ruthless murders of five American expats. But back in the early 2000s, he was known as the owner of the Jolly Roger Social Club, the same club where he buried his victims. Tell me about the Jolly Rogers Social Club. Dude, it was like the coolest bar in the world. And I would run the bar only on the weekends. I didn't try to make any money with it. It was just a place to, you know, I made my money doing illegal shit. It was just a place to party. And so I had two hotel rooms above, and then the bar was downstairs, open air, downstairs, open air, that had a horseshoe-shaped bar, beautiful horseshoe-shaped bar. It was a beautiful place. And, and but every weekend, like, the party started on Thursday, Thursday evening and, and ended on like Sunday night. I'm sick of having people in my fucking house. People are in my house all the time. I couldn't stand that shit. You know what I mean? I can't stand having wake up in the morning and then naked broads laying over here. And, and I don't know. It was just it's too much. Wild Bill referred to it as his house, but it actually wasn't his house. It was the Browns' house. And he got that after he killed Mike Brown, his wife, and his son Watson. Crazy shit was going on. Every sun, every Saturday at 12 o'clock, no, Sunday, Sunday at 12 o'clock, I gave the words of wisdom. And people came like from all over the place to hear the words of wisdom. So it's kind of funny. And and we, we, we just had it. It was just a big party. And I asked Wild Bill about this. And don't let him fool you. These words of wisdom weren't some sort of deep inspirational monologue. It was really just a silly speech full of cuss words and dirty jokes that Wild Bill would recite, you know, to kick off the festivities. Like, you got to understand, the expat community is not a normal community. People in the expat community are by nature fucked up. They're not people who, they're people who can't be in their own country for some reason. They're running away from something, right? Exactly. Or they like cheap drugs because Pam drugs are cheap and Pam are men and abundant and better than the drugs in the United States. They're here for, you know, craziness and so. While Bill's partying days were coming to an end, at least in Bocas, because he got word that the authorities were going to come looking for him. So let's talk about your time at Bocas del Toro. You know, you, you were like a socialite, the number one socialite during that time period. You said everyone was afraid of me and respected me. I, why were they afraid of you? Well, I don't think it was a very big secret that I was a killer. When I lived there, I wasn't, I lived huge. I wasn't quiet about anything. I was a fucking idiot. So I, I, I believed my own bullshit. Never do that. That's a, I mean, never believe your own bullshit. It's okay when you bullshit everybody else, but you should never bullshit yourself. I really believed that nobody could stop me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was never afraid. I knew without a doubt I was going to get away because I always got away. Everything always worked exactly how I had it planned. And, and I knew for certain that, that, that I'd get away. These conversations took place over the course of several nights. Each time we spoke, we got a little deeper. Today, we're going to focus on the interview we had with Wild Bill. We're going to talk to him about his victims and what he's doing today, 12 years after the murders. I'm John Taylor with the Twisted Podcast. And I'm Javier Leva with the Pretend Podcast. And this is Criminal Conduct Season 3, An American Serial Killer in Paradise. You're not a bad man, you're not a bad man. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. John, I couldn't even eat dinner that night in anticipation of that phone call with Wild Bill. And then after we were done talking, I couldn't even sleep that night. It was just so disturbing. I've never spoken to a serial killer before, let alone anyone who's ever killed anyone. Or at least that I know of. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you just you didn't know what you were going to run into. You just didn't know what angle he's going to come at you. Uh, There's just there's many aspects as far as he could be coming at you completely calm talking about what he's done, which could be very unnerving, or he could be very explicit and put images and words in your head that you're never going to be able to get out. Javier, I found your interview completely fascinating. And I got, I mean, I have a lot of opinions about what I heard, but one of the things I liked is kind of your, your style in interviewing Wild Bill, because you separate Wild Bill from William Holbert. And I think that that, that distancing, that separation allowed him to kind of speak more freely and be more comfortable because he can distance himself from say actions he did that he's not proud of. Yeah, I didn't even know how forthcoming he was going to be. So I wanted to like kind of ease my way into it. But at the same time, I also didn't know that I was going to eventually talk to this guy multiple nights in a row. I I thought this first call was going to be my last. So I just got down straight to business. Yeah, and what you were experiencing is what essentially every detective experiences in an interview. You can't jump right in, but at the same time, there's always the possibility the person you're talking to will stop talking. So you have to try to get things important out early, but you also have to balance that with the idea that maybe they'll just stop talking and I'll never hear from them again. So uh, yeah, I think you what you were feeling is very real. Looking back at that time, is it is it one of those things, like you said, it was a long time ago, but do you remember killing them? I don't think about it. I'll tell you something, I, that was something that I didn't have a stomach for at all. I mean, I did it, but I didn't have a stomach for it. It wasn't something I was like, yay, I get to go kill somebody. It was like, fuck. I gotta go do this shit, but I mean, I don't have to. I chose to. Don't 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 misconstrue what I'm saying, but 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 I I never enjoyed it, and it was always a nerve-wracking thing for me. Completely, just like totally, ugh. like very very anxiety-filled. And when it was over, I was like so relieved. Thank God that that's over. And and I mean, like I'm, I'm speaking honestly with you about it. I mean, it's it's not something that I ever enjoyed doing. If you enjoy killing people, something's fucking wrong with you. You know what I mean? Like, you got a real problem. Javier, while Bill did not answer your question, so you asked him if he remembered killing the victims, and what he talked about was that he said he didn't enjoy killing people. Yeah, he was just taking me for a ride, taking me in whatever direction he wanted me to go in. The reason that Wild Bill gave for not giving you more information was that it's just too painful. And I don't know that I buy that. I mean, that's that could be part of it. But there's certainly other reasons why he's not giving you more information. So like what? What do you think he was leaving out? 
Well, I mean, I think that there's the official story that the prosecutors kind of presented in what he went along with. And I think there's the I think it's a real possibility here that uh, that's not true. The official story. So he doesn't want to contradict the official story. That's part of it. Um, there may be things that he did that are much more inculpatory for him that that he may make, make him look worse. And then the other thing is you always have to take into account is his ego. Uh, he's not going to want to say things that make him look bad. Why did you kill them? Why did you money? Do- I was broke. I mean, I, there's <laughs> all right. So there's there's like the official story from the cops, and then there's my story, and I don't even give a shit about telling it because either way, I mean, my my story is the truth. I mean, I, I lived it. I was there. I lived it. So, John, again, here's Wild Bill deflecting. I'm asking a question, and he answers something else. But this next clip that we're about to play really surprised me. I mean, let's face it. Some of those people that went to party at your place were some of your victims, right? Like who owned the property that that bar was on, like prior to you? Well, that's true. There, there's true. That, that, that property where I, where I built the house was, was owned by um, Mike. Uh, Mike uh, that wasn't his real name. Um I can't even remember now. God, it's my, my everything runs together in my mind. But yes, that property was something. It was a property that I, that I that I took away from someone that I had killed. Very true. John, he could not remember the name of the man that he shot in the back of the head. That man's name was Mike Brown. He executed the guy's entire family, and he couldn't even remember his name. I heard him struggling, but I just waited to see if he could eventually remember the guy's name. Yeah, I don't know if this surprised me or not, but you would think that something that impactful on his life that he would remember. I mean, like I, you're going to forget people's names from your past. Sure. But but somebody that you had this kind of connection to or interaction with, you just you think that would that name would just be seared on your brain. Yeah, well, I eventually decided to help him out. You had a hard time remembering Mike Brown's name, but do you do you ever think about the victims? Do you remember them? Do you yeah, remember? I asked God for forgiveness for those things, and he gave it to me. And if I believe in Jesus Christ, and I ask forgiveness for things that I did before, and then I make amends to never do those things again, and if I sit around and I feel guilty and terrible about those things, then I'm not much of a Christian. Yeah. I want to really be clear about this. I feel terrible about the things I did. Things I did are wrong, but I don't sit around and think about them all the time. As a matter of fact, I try my very best not to do that. Why? I've learned the lessons from those things. So I never repeat them. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to ever repay the people that, that I harmed. I can't bring them back to life and I can't do anything for the family. So, John, what do you think? You think he's being remorseful here? I mean, do you buy it? Not really. No. Uh, I think that what I felt when I heard him is probably what most people felt, which is that it's almost as he's if he's reading the words. You know, he's just this is what he was told to say or this is what he thinks needs to be said rather than him actually feeling and experiencing what he was saying. So, John, what kind of incentives did he have for executing the entire Brown family? I mean, was it simply just to get their property? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a loaded question for me because, uh, you know, the incentives, I mean, I, when you're thinking, when you say incentives, I think you're talking about financial. And so, yeah, they did have a property in Bocas, but also Mike Brown reportedly had a substantial amount of money. I think one account they said had about $200,000 in it and that uh, Wild Bill was able to get access to that account shortly after their deaths. So there was the property, but also there was some financial incentives uh, on top of that. You know, all this sounds easier said than done because the narrative, at least the way the media portrays it, is that the serial killer kills people to get their property, but it can't be that easy, right? You can't just kill somebody and then all of a sudden instantly be the owner of their property. There has to be a lot more to it, right? Right. And and you're talking about government documents and things of that nature. And this kind of leads into this idea that Wild Bill did not act alone because he needed to have somebody help him with facilitating transfers of property deeds and, and things of that nature to be able to get access to funds and properties that he was obtaining illegally. Yeah, exactly. I, I think some people believe that Holbert didn't act alone. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But for now, let's break down what we do know. Yeah, according to the official story or what Wild Bill has told, what he did was that he kind of took the Browns out one by one, took them out into the jungle behind their house and executed them, shooting them in the back of the head one at a time. And so that's kind of what he did. And he also he justified the killing of the Browns because Mike Brown was an alleged drug trafficker, as if somehow this justified or made it easier for him to kill him because the guy was a criminal. And also the implication is that since he was a drug trafficker that he had a lot of money you described last time you know shooting the browns one at a time by the back of the head you know you called over the son you shot him in the back of the head and then you went and over to nan and shot her in the back of the head but how that part of that doesn't make sense because wouldn't they hear the gunshots if you knew the tough pocket well first of all it was christmas day it was or like it was like two days before Christmas or something like that, and so like all of the natives were shooting off fireworks everywhere. So if you hear, I mean, like blah 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 blah, and nobody's thinking nothing. You know what I'm saying? Because the second of all, the topography of the land, if you actually went there and saw, when one is on the other side of the hill, you can't hear anything that happens on that side of the hill. I mean, like nothing, and, and like, the distances were very far apart. But I mean, it's really that's really what happened and how it happens. Damn, he killed a kid days before Christmas. I mean, that's messed up. But do you buy his answer about people not hearing the gunshots or confusing it for fireworks? Yeah, I found this answer much different than many of Wild Bill's answers. It's plausible and it makes sense. I mean, we haven't gone out to the property and checked the topography to see if what he's saying is 100% accurate. But this is different because it's actually logical and reasonable. When we come back, I ask Wild Bill about his other victims. So Wild Bill kills the Browns first. He shot them one at a time, buries them on his property. His next killing was Bo Eisler. Bo Eisler, he had some money, he had a retired, he had a shop or something like that. But it, I read somewhere, and I don't remember where, but it says that you thought that he was a fugitive running from the law, so that was justification or something like that. No, he wasn't a fugitive. He was an art. He 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 moved uh, pre-Columbian art to the United States to sell in like two buckets, two buckets, what's the word in English, auctions. 
Um, he, he, like he had contact. That's how I got to know him. He had contacts in, in, in the art world that in the States, and I don't know how all that works, but that they would sell, they would sell art that was not legal to sell. If I were going to kind of sum up how Wild Bill answers questions, I'd say he's very artful. He He's great at giving kind of tangential answers to what you're asking, which is it's in the realm of what the question was, but it's what he wants to give you. It's not what you actually asked. But in this next excerpt, we're going to get a little kind of a window into why he's not providing completely forthright information to us. So was the intention just to steal his property? That was an afterthought, but but again, I don't even know how to answer the question because in order to answer the question, we're going to open up a whole bunch of doors. Let's just say that, that we don't have time to explore and, 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 and maybe an answer that you're not going to accept. And that's another thing. That's another thing. I lived these things, and I know why I did them. What I'm trying to say is, like, I say I say that that, that – Bo's death was not something that I like. They they try to say that I I, I dreamed up I'm going to kill this guy for his house. Nobody ever got killed for their fucking house. Nobody. And I mean, it it is the truth that I took them. The, the, when I killed when I killed the Browns, I took that property. All right, stop right there on that one. This is the where he I I don't he directly contradicts himself over and over within like the same the same uh, monologue where he says no one ever got killed for his house. And then he says, well, I killed the Browns for their house. And then he keeps going back and forth about how he did and then he didn't. And he's not making any sense here. I don't know what's going on. I took that property in lieu of any payment for anything that I did because I wanted it. And then after I did that, when I, when I did the thing with Bo, I did it as well. But the thing with Cheryl Hughes, I never took any property for Cheryl Hughes, never changed any property, never did anything. So now he contradicts himself there. Exactly. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that line. Give me your interpretation. What do you think he means when he says, I took the property in lieu of payment? What does that imply? Well, somebody needed Mike Brown gone and he goes, hey, instead of paying me, why don't you give me his sweet ass house so I can bury him? That's that's right. However, I also think that that is a that that's possible. That's what he's alluding to. And that's what he wants you to think. But it's also possible that. That's just another way of saying that's how he got paid for what he did, not from somebody else, you know, but he got property. So he didn't get cash necessarily. He got the property. So it's in lieu of payment, but it's not payment from someone else. It's just he's paying himself. Yeah. So that that leads to the idea that it's just him. He's trying to defer some blame onto these fictitious people. If you were paying attention earlier, Wild Bill said that he did it for the money. So, so why did you kill them? I was broke. Oh, man. But now he's saying it wasn't about the property. So which is it? And, and, and so what I'm trying to say with these things is that whether you believe me or not, I'm telling you how it was when I was there. I, I don't want to open up. I don't want to tell you the story, to be perfectly honest with you. And I don't want to tell anybody the story because it involves a whole lot of other people who are not in prison. And I don't want them to, 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 to come and kill me. No, like, I'm not asking for sympathy. Did it drop off? Are you still there? Hmm. More of Wild Bill after the break. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's good to talk to you again. The phone just, the minutes ran out the last time I didn't have, I found another chip that had minutes on it here and I stuck it in, but now it had been too long and you had already, you know, it had been like an hour or something. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. No, I waited so around what, a little bit, but I figured that's what happened. Man. While Bill's minutes ran out, and so we picked up the conversation the following night. When I think about Cheryl Hughes, I just want to know, not about the killing, but like, what did you know about her? Did you consider her a friend at the time? Well, I don't know how much of this stuff you've listened to, but even during the trial, I told the truth that Keith World paid me to kill his wife. That happened. He ran off with a new chip. I mean, everybody in Bocas knows that as well. I don't know. It was a stupid fucking thing. I should have never done that. I mean, I knew Cheryl, Cheryl to a, some extent, not like really, really well, but I, I knew her fairly well. And, and it took me three times to kill her. Keith, by the way, is Cheryl's estranged husband. I invited her over three different times before I could come up with the balls to do it. It's not something I wanted to do. It's actually something I didn't want to do. It was something that economically I didn't even need to do. I didn't need to do it. Um, but I well, was why, why did you do, do it? So. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, Keith World ran off with uh, some little chick named Melissa, I believe is her name. I can't remember now. It's been so long. It was like 20-something years old. And, and, and I guess that everything was in Cher's name. Everything. So and that's another thing. I never, nobody ever found me in possession of anything of shares. I was never in possession of her home. Was never in possession of any of her goods. They found some things in my home because I wasn't even there. But I think that what happened was, I think, and this is just me piecing the past together because I don't even know. But Cheryl Hughes's family came down looking for her. I wasn't there. I was in Costa Rica on vacation. Like this shit got hot here, and and some of my buddies told me you got to get the fuck out of there because shit's hot. You I mean you're there? There. So I went to Costa Rica and. And just to hang out while I was there, some of Cheryl Hughes' belongings, including panties and like jewelry and shit like that, appeared on my living room table. I ask you, my friend, I am a lot of things, but stupid I am not. Do you think I, first of all, what the fuck would I have her panties for? And I'm not sick, and nobody's ever accused me of being like a rapist or something. And second of all, would I just leave somebody else's shit laying on the kitchen table of my home? So, like, what I pieced together is that the family came down. Where the hell is Cher? He's like, uh, Bill killed her. And then, like, went to the house and put shit on there, put, put the shit in my house. And then when the cops come, they do a search and they find all that stuff in the house and they issue an arrest warrant. This is what, I mean, this is my thought. I don't know this to be 100% true, but I've thought a lot about it, you know what I'm saying, over the years. And this is what I think that happened. It's been reported that Wild Bill told the officials that he killed Cheryl because she was strung out on drugs and lost her will to live. That's true. I mean, that's what. Okay, I explained that part. That he, that asshole, said it, but that's something that's actually true. I, I, I was gonna do it, right? And, and she told me she came to the house and we were playing cards, and and she told me like the third time when she came. I, I, the first time I'm like, I'm in like, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Like, shit, I like her. I can't find any reason to kill her. I can't, you know, I'm, I can't find any moral anything with the, with the limited and screwed up morals that I have. I couldn't find anything about her that would allow me to murder her. And just because Keith wanted it done wasn't enough. I couldn't 
so and she told me that the last time that she came like she came one time and, and, I, and I'm like no and so I I, I I called her Indian boat driver and he came back over and took her and then she came another time the same thing and I'm trying to get drunk I'm trying to use my Irish courage you know I'm trying to get drunk enough to, to do this thing and she's like no and then the third time she came over we are doing the same thing and I'm like if I can't do it this time I'm just not going to do it at all and, and she said to me I can't believe how everything's gone happened since Keith left and I just don't have any reason to live and and she was using a lot of drugs. I mean, she was very thin, like using a lot of cocaine, I think. And she was very thin. She looked like terrible. I mean, she she was a beautiful woman before. I mean, she wasn't that old, but she looked terrible. She really did look, look, look like gaunt and thin. And, and and I don't know. That allowed me somehow in that warped and really unrealistic morality that I had in my mind at that time to, to, to murder her. And I did that. John, that was chilling. I mean, I just couldn't believe how openly and willingly he talked about killing Cheryl. This is a person he knew and interacted with. Yeah, I mean, if I just listen to this just from a human perspective, it's it's pretty shocking how just casually he's talking about killing someone that he knew. But if you step back analytically, you know, I, call, I question a lot of the things he's saying. Yeah, and I also find it interesting that he tries to tame the brutality of his crimes. Like, yeah, he murdered these people, but, you know, in the most humane way possible. Or, or how he tries to justify it. For instance, killing Cher because she looked all strung up and it was almost merciful. When I heard that, it's it's almost it's not it's almost laughable. And of course, someone was murdered. But this idea that he's looking at her and thinking, oh, you know, she's not taking as good a care of herself as she used to. And, you know, she doesn't seem to be as happy as she was. And maybe I can just kill her. Yeah, it's almost like like you were telling me the other day that uh, don't tell Jack Kevorkian that you're having a bad day because, you know. Right. You've got to be really careful the way you present yourself around Wild Bill, because he could use that as justification for taking you out. Every time I ever killed anybody my whole life, nobody knew that it was going to happen until they were already dead. Meaning, like, it's not like I ever, like, hey, come here, I'm going to kill you. None of that thing, nothing like that ever happened to anybody. And that doesn't make it better or worse, but I mean, I want to understand, I want you to understand the cowardice of my own self in the fact that I always shot people in the back of the head when they weren't looking. Nobody ever knew that it was going to happen. I mean, he's right. It doesn't make it any better. But as kind of we go back and forth debating on whether Wild Bill's a serial killer or not, this style of killing is not consistent with someone who is a kind of a thrill seeker or someone who enjoys killing. Yeah, usually it's what, like strangulation or or something a little more... More personal. More personal. Yeah, more personal. Yeah. It, it, when, first of all, it seems to me like something could go wrong with letting someone... I mean, like, if you tell me I'm going to kill you, I'm going to fight. I mean, like, I'm going to fight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm already dead. So, so if I lose... But maybe I'll win. Maybe I'll be able to get away. And so I didn't want that situation. And then, and then on top of it, I mean, it seems it's it's not something I didn't have the stomach for, just to like torture someone or anything like that. I, I wouldn't have the stomach to like for like to let someone know ahead of time. Hey, by the way, in five minutes I'm going to kill you, and they're tied up or something. That's not right. something I don't. I, that would that's scary to me. I don't. I don't. I don't like the thought of that. 
you're, if somebody was going to kill me, I wouldn't want to know about it beforehand. Right. Do you understand? If I have to die, don't tell me. Just do it. When we come back, Wild Bill and Jane Cortez go on the run. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The question on everyone's mind is, did Wild Bill and Jane Cortez get away with it? And where exactly is he calling me from? We'll get to that in a bit, but first, let's talk about their escape. Wild Bill and Jane boarded a flat-bottomed tourist boat heading through the jungle towards the sea. He says that the entire voyage to the Caribbean takes about two days, so the captain stopped in a small town where they stayed overnight. And according to Bill, the captain got word that he was harboring fugitives So the next morning, the captain intentionally headed towards a police checkpoint. Little did Wild Bill and Jane know that the police would be waiting for them when they arrived. So I was on the river, and they more or less arrested me. That's what happened. Well, that's what was supposed to happen. But for whatever reason, Wild Bill says that the tactical police team never arrived. Instead, they were greeted by only two officers who were ill-equipped for what was about to happen next. And, and, and what I did was, I told, I told the cops, the cops were like a bunch of doofuses, and I told them, I said, hey, let me walk down and tell my wife what's going on, because she's up, she's really nervous, she's sitting in the boat, and this is the police's boat. And they said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And so they're like, they're like conversating up front, and they're scared to death of me as well. And so I walked down, I got in the boat, and just cranked the boat up and drove off. And I was laughing, I thought, this is great. They jumped into the boat and took off. The problem was they were heading in the wrong direction. Instead of heading east towards the Caribbean Sea, they were headed west, back inland. Here I was driving along, and I saw a tour guide boat coming really fast up behind. I was like, that's weird. I mean, like he's like hauling ass. And then I saw the smoke of the muzzle muzzle fire. And I was like, oh shit, it's the cops. And they're shooting at me. I killed the engine and stopped and stood up and put my best eat shit smile on, you know, and like, I'm going to talk my way out of this. So the thing is, I guess guns technically smoke, but you rarely see smoke coming from guns. It's more of something you see in the movies. And so for me, I feel like Wild Bill here, he's creating a picture for people. He's 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 telling a story. He's crafting this image rather than just giving us a depiction of what happened. Yeah, exactly. He's living out his fantasy here. He's retelling the story the way he's playing it back in his head, almost like he's the hero in the movie. You know, this is his ultimate fantasy, but I really doubt that things actually happen the way he's describing it. Like some of it is true, but maybe not the way he's retelling it, right? So they come down and I got like $35,000 in cash on me. So I wasn't really worried. I thought, I mean, everything in Latin America, you could buy your way out of anything. And so, I wasn't too worried about it. And they come down and so I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on? And the, the guy hits me with the damn rifle. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, and then the next thing I know, there's like three little bitty dudes. 
like climbed on my back, tying my hands behind my back, and I'm laying face down in my own blood on the floor, and they're beating the shit out of me. And I'm like, this is not good. This is not what I expected to happen. So we get back to their little makeshift checkpoint, and I'm still like, I can get my way out of this. And then the, by this time, the Costa Ricans were in a helicopter running up and down the river looking for me. What really happened was that the, the Nicaraguan dude hit me in the back of the head with a with a with a rifle butt when I wasn't looking. I was looking at the captain. He hit me in the back of the head with a rifle butt, and I woke up two hours later, hogtied in a room next to my wife, who was crying. Next time on Criminal Conduct, we tend to focus on Wild Bill, but his partner, Jane Cortez, a.k.a. Laura Michelle Reese, also has some culpability. When you were arrested, you refused to let your wife take the, any of the blame. And wh- why is that? Well, she wasn't, she wasn't fucking guilty. I mean, I mean, I'm asking you a question. Should a woman be punished for cooking my food and sucking my dick? I mean, that's what she did. A special thanks to our executive producer, Advertise Cast, and to Ruby Rose Fox for allowing us to use her song, Bury the Body, during our intro. Her music is available anywhere you can purchase music. If you enjoy the podcast, find us on social media at CriminalCon. And please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. And make sure to listen to our other shows. John Taylor hosts the Twisted Podcast, and I, Javier Leva, host the Pretend Podcast. Yeah.